Part 3 of Ingersoll on Walt Whitman from the works of Robert G. Ingersoll. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tommy Hersant, Carlsbad, California. Ingersoll on Walt Whitman, Part 3, The Creative Spirit. Men of talent, men of business, touch life upon few sides. They travel but the beaten path. The creative spirit is not in them. They regard with suspicion a poet who touches life on every side. They have little confidence in that divine thing called sympathy. And they do not and cannot understand the man who enters into the hopes, the aims, and the feelings of all others. In all genius there is the touch of chaos, a little of the vagabond and the successful tradesman. The man who buys and sells or manages a bank does not care to deal with a person who has only poems for collaterals. They have a little fear of such people, and regard them as the awkward countryman does a sleight-of-hand performer. In every age in which books have been produced, the governing class, the respectable, have been opposed to the works of real genius. If what are known as the best people could have had their way, if the pulpit had been consulted, the provincial moralists, the works of Shakespeare would have been suppressed. Not a line would have reached our time. And the same may be said of every dramatist of his age. If the Scotch Kirk could have decided, nothing would have been known of Robert Burns. If the good people, the orthodox, could have had their say, not one line of Voltaire would now be known. All the plates of the French encyclopedia would have been destroyed, with the thousands that were destroyed. Nothing would have been known of D'Alembert, Grimm, Diderot, or any of the titans who warred against the thrones and altars, and laid the foundation of modern literature not only, but what is a far greater moment, universal education. It is not too much to say that every book now held in high esteem would have been destroyed if those in authority could have had their will. Every book of modern times that has a real value that has enlarged the intellectual horizon of mankind, that has developed the brain, that has furnished real food for thought, can be found in the Index Expurgatorius of the Papacy, and nearly every one has been commended to the free minds of men by the denunciations of Protestants. If the guardians of society, the protectors of young persons, could have had their way, we should have known nothing of Byron or Shelley. The voices that thrill the world would now be silent. If authority could have had its way, the world would have been as ignorant now as it was when our ancestors lived in holes or hung from dead limbs by their prehensile tails. But we are not forced to go very far back if Shakespeare had been published for the first time now, those divine plays, greater than continents and seas, 
greater even than the constellations of the midnight sky, would be excluded from the males by the decision of the present enlightened postmaster general. The poets have always lived in an ideal world and that ideal world has always been far better than the real world. As a consequence, they have forever roused not simply the imagination, but the energies, the enthusiasm of the human race. The great poets have been on the side of the oppressed, of the downtrodden. They have suffered with the imprisoned and the enslaved, and whenever and wherever man has suffered for the right— Wherever the hero has been stricken down, whether on field or scaffold, some man of genius has walked by his side, and some poet has given form and expression not simply to his deeds, but to his aspirations. From the Greek and Roman world we still hear the voices of a few the poets, the philosophers, the artists, and the orators, still speak. Countless millions have been covered by the waves of oblivion, but the few who uttered the elemental truths, who had sympathy for the whole human race, and who were great enough to prophesy a grander day are as alive to-night as when they roused by their bodily presence, by their living voices, by their works of art, the enthusiasm of their fellow-men. Think of the respectable people, of the men of wealth and position, those who dwelt in mansions, children of success, who went down to the grave voiceless, and whose names we do not know. Think of the vast multitudes, the endless processions that enter the caverns of eternal night, leaving no thought, no truth, as a legacy to mankind. The great poets have sympathized with the people. They have uttered in all ages the human cry, unbought by gold, unawed by power. They have lifted high the torch that illuminates the world. End of Part 3 The Creative Spirit